Welcome to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about the Illinois state budget Governor J.B. Pritzker signed this week, what's in it and what's not. We'll also get the latest out on litigation against Illinois' gun and magazine ban. I'll then join the Center Square executive editor Dan McCaleb to further discuss the news. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Breaking news, that's what the Center Square does best. The stories other media outlets refuse to report, the Center Square's breaking them all the time. Stories about government waste and political spending, stories about partisan agendas that hijack your tax dollars. The Center Square has it all covered and delivers the biggest news to your inbox as it happens. Sign up now for your state's Center Square newsletters at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. The Illinois state budget has been signed. Governor J.B. Pritzker signed the plan to spend $50.6 billion of taxpayer funds, and it includes lawmaker pay increases, though he reduced it by 0.5%. The measure also increases funding for education across the board and funds undocumented migrant health care. One expense is unclear, leading some to question whether new taxes may be coming for Illinoisans as a result. Andrew Hensel has that story. Illinois has a contract with the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, or AFSCME, which expires at the end of June. The new contract with AFSCME could cost up to $300 million when finally settled, according to some lawmakers, but was not included in the state's budget. During the budget signing Wednesday, Pritzker said funding is available. Built into the agency's budgets, we have, as you know, quite a number of agencies. We built in what we thought might be the appropriate amount of money for what we expect from that AFSCME negotiation. State Rep. Charlie Meyer warns that the progressive income tax could be offered to make up for any budget shortfalls. On a bill promoting the progressive income tax again in the future, and it'll be because they'll have reasons because they need the extra funds, whether it's for an AFSCME contract or more money for the illegal immigrants. The state's fiscal year 2024 budget goes into effect on July 1st. I'm Andrew Hensel. Meanwhile, the governor's being accused of awarding a $300,000 grant to a group being run by a convicted felon. Kevin Bessler has more. Former state representative Jeannie Ives, the founder of the policy advocacy group Breakthrough Ideas, says the grant money given to the group Black Lives Matter may be the tip of the iceberg. Black Lives Matter Lake County, a Marxist organization, they don't deserve taxpayer money. What do they do? And I'll tell you what, there's millions of dollars spent on violence prevention programs that need to be investigated as well. Ive says this is going on despite a bipartisan bill that was passed while she was in office called the Grant Transparency Act. People wanted to get a handle on where this money was going, and then you see things like this pop up, and you got to wonder if any of those laws are ever followed at all. Ive says Persker gave the same group $300,000 of COVID-19 money during the pandemic, while the leader was out on bond for battery of a police officer. I'm Kevin Bessler. With the first round of briefs and the challenge to Illinois' gun and magazine ban ahead of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals, plaintiffs are preparing their filings. Illinois banned more than 170 semi-automatic firearms and magazines over certain capacities January 10th. There were already bans in Cook County and the city of Chicago. The lower courts were mixed with a preliminary injunction from the Southern District State and Northern District judges siding with the state. The cases are now consolidated in front of a federal appeals court. The government filed their briefs Monday. They argue the law and ordinances are justified based on unprecedented societal concerns and dramatic technological changes 
making the banned firearms, quote, dangerous and unusual. With the plaintiffs, Illinois State Rifle Association Richard Pearson said, governments can't balance public interest with the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Any government could take anybody's constitutional rights if that were the case. The other thing is that in Bruin, they said there is no balance. It's either, you know, it's either constitutional or it's not. And so the balance uh, argument goes out the window also. The plaintiffs are set to file their briefs by June 19th. Reply briefs are due June 23rd. The case will be heard June 29th. And those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at americastalking.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, I'll join the Center Square Executive Editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Freedom, individualism, limited government. On these issues, conservatives and libertarians generally agree. But where do we disagree? Check out the Future of Freedom podcast for civil, reasoned conversations about some of today's most pressing topics. It's not a debate. Our goal is to provide the best arguments from either side of an issue. Then you decide. It's the Future of Freedom podcast. Find it at americastalking.com or wherever you find your podcasts. Greetings and welcome to Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I am Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Joining me again today, as he does every week, is Greg Bishop, Illinois' Capitol Bureau senior reporter and editor. Greg, how are you? I'm good. I'm trying to wade through about 566 bills that uh, the governor's getting ready to sign all throughout the summer. So it's uh, uh, it's going to be a, a busy, busy summer, that's for sure. Well, have fun with that, Greg. Um, I can't even imagine. It's kind of like Scrooge McDuck when he gets into his silo of gold and I'm jumping in, but instead of gold, it's it's paper. So I got to be careful with all the paper cuts. I, I hear you. Greg, uh, one of those bills um, that has already been signed is the Illinois state budget. Governor Pritzker uh, did that this week. State's $50.6 billion budget is the largest spending plan in state history. And there was some criticism in there for lawmaker pay raises and other new funding for programs that some say might not be sustainable over the long term. But first, just give us the details. Governor Pritzker signed the budget this week. What do we need to know? Yeah, 50 plus billion dollars of taxpayer spending, state taxpayer spending. This is just the state side, not the tens of billions of extra dollars that uh, the federal government sends to the state. Uh, when you add all that up, it's well in excess of $100 billion. But for the state spending, state taxpayers are going to be footing the bill for $50 plus billion. All state agency funding, K through 12 funding gets an increase of $350 million. You've got higher education getting uh, an increase in spending. You've got uh, new programs like the Smart Start Early Childhood uh, programs that are meant to address what the governor calls child care deserts across the state. That's going to increase pay for these workers. It's also going to possibly offer up grants for new facilities. There's a new program uh, that's tens of millions of dollars to 
uh, help deal with what the governor calls grocery or food deserts throughout the state. Uh, so essentially subsidizing uh, private grocery store operations in various areas. Uh, you've also got uh, programs to, to address homelessness in Illinois. Uh, these are new programs that are going to cost taxpayers hundreds of millions of dollars collectively. Uh, but Republicans, they, they pushed back and, and, and said they're not sure if, while there might be a lot of support for these types of programs, it's not sure if it's going to be sustainable in the future. Meaning, for instance, the Smart Start program. Next year, is it going to be an additional $250 million? Are they going to continue that level of spending? If so, what happens if there's a downturn in the economy and tax receipts don't come in as strong? What happens if, uh, you know, the program ends up having to cost more? Uh, so they, they worry that it's not going to be sustainable, could lead to possible tax increases or to possibly other services being reduced throughout the state. You also have the big ticket item of the unfunded health care, uh, or rather the uh, undocumented health care uh, program. And that's the program for uh, people seeking asylum in United States, being transported to Chicago and elsewhere throughout Illinois, where anybody over the age of 42 has access to Medicaid. Now, this was estimated to cost $1.1 billion. At the signing ceremony, uh, the governor was asked about this, and he said that those were projections just to get an idea of what kind of cost controls could be done with the program. And he says that he's been given the the tools to manage that. Uh, so that's going to be a, a Pritzker managed fund that uh, that will see exactly how much it ultimately costs down the line. But there's also another big unknown, and that is the cost of uh, the upcoming state employee contract and whether or not that's going to be increased costs. The governor says that he has estimated in the budget what it could cost, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, will it indeed exceed that estimate? And uh, if it does, could that eat into uh, what little surplus there is in this budget? So the budget altogether signed. However, the governor did do a reduction veto. The governor has the ability to do line item vetoes on appropriations bills where he can reduce the spending amount. And he did reduce the spending amounts on one item, and that's legislator pay increases. They were set to get a 5.5% increase in this year's budget for their pay, close to $90,000 base pay. But the governor, uh, he instead trimmed off about 0.5% of that. And now they're just getting the straight 5% cost of living allocation increase for state lawmaker pay. Dan, that's on top of the pay increase that the 102nd General Assembly gave the 103rd General Assembly, if you recall, uh, early January before the previous General Assembly uh, adjourned its term. Uh, they passed a supplemental appropriation that included a pay raise of about 18%. Uh, so altogether, you're looking at, uh, what, a good 23% uh, pay raise over the, the past six months. Uh, for state legislators, uh, and uh, that's a, that's a substantial amount. And when taxpayers hear that, they look at whether or not they got that kind of a raise while they're also dealing with high inflation and even expecting to pay more for gas come January 1st with a gas tax increase and pay more for groceries with a grocery tax increase. Uh, so a lot of things on taxpayers' plates at the kitchen table. And that uh, 0.5% that Governor Pritzker shaved off of the 5.5% raise 
from this current General Assembly, not the one that was passed in January, but the one that was passed when the budget was passed last month. That was really a constitutionally required, right? Because um, the state constitution essentially says any raise has to be capped to the rate of inflation or something less. So he was obligated to do that. Is that right? Yeah. And that was a point that uh, State Representative House Minority Leader Tony McCombie made uh, before they passed the budget. Uh, She said that uh, lawmakers are giving themselves a 5.5% increase, and that goes uh, uh, above and beyond the 5% COLA uh, that apparently state statute allows for General Assembly members to get each and every new fiscal year. Um, So, yeah, it's it's. Still the increase, but uh, the governor, he he just went ahead and said, you know, we're going to trim off at 0.5 percent and uh, leave it there. So lawmakers getting a pay raise with the uh, largest state budget uh, in state history. And you mentioned early on, you know, some critics, some people who have pushed back on this $50.6 billion budget are concerned about the new, the funding for the new programs that are in here. The economy's sort of tithering on the brink. Of course, we've got data from April tax revenues in Illinois that shows April 2023 tax revenues were more than a billion dollars less than April 2022 tax revenues. We don't have May tax revenues yet, but those will be coming shortly, I would assume. Well, we do. Uh, the uh, Commission on Government Forecasting and Accountability, I did just check, check that today on Thursday uh, as we're recording this. Uh, I don't have it in front of me at this point, but it did show a six hundred million dollar um, uh, change. So it uh, doesn't necessarily make up for all of that what was lost in April, uh, but uh, tax receipts are coming in a little bit higher. Uh, however, is that going to be sustained throughout uh, the summer and in the months ahead? You know, a budget year is 12 months. Uh, so we'll, we'll see ultimately how all this plays out. But, uh, you know, th- there is a concern that if we see a recession down the line, uh, there will be less tax receipts coming into the state's coffers. That puts a pinch on these new programs. And that could lead to, you know, an effort to possibly bring about uh, another tax increase or another push at a progressive income tax. Anything else uh, listeners should know about this budget? No significant tax increases in it, although Illinois' uh, taxes are already among the highest in the nation. Anything else we should talk about, Greg, before we move on? Yeah, I mean, the governor, he uh, he he was disappointed that Republicans didn't vote for the budgets. Republicans in the House, they say that they were completely left out of negotiations. Republicans in the Senate said that they were part of some of the early on negotiations. But uh, it is a partisan budget. Uh, and uh, I think Republicans were really looking for uh, a variety of things to be included, including more tax reductions for business, making it more business friendly in this state. But you also have the Invest in Kids program, which was not included in any of this of this budget. And that's the uh, privately funded school choice scholarship program that gives a 75 percent income tax um, uh, credit for for those who donate to this fund. So private dollars going to help fund school choice in Illinois. And uh, the program set to expire at the end of this year. Lawmakers left for the spring session. They won't be back until the fall. Uh, and if if they don't address this, that means it's only going to be half a year for that fund to be available. So we'll see what kinds of changes come about during fall session. But still, there's a lot of uncertainty for those families out there that have been able to tap into this program to uh, get their kids into a school of their choice. 
right? And so supporters of the of the Invest in Kids scholarship program, of course, are hopeful and almost some desperate, particularly those parents of students who have received the scholarship in recent years, that the legislature does in fact take it up either in the veto session, as you mentioned, or perhaps a special session. But there's at this point, there's really no indication uh, one way or the other, correct? So parents are kind of in limbo, particularly parents who will have stu- students started at a school of their choice in whether it's August, late, you know, mid-August, late August, or early September, and then the money runs out in December, their hands are tied for the next semester. And that's the big concern uh, and the uncertainty there is with them not acting on this before spring session. And I'll tell you, um, I saw advocates on the ground at the Capitol uh, last fall. And I remember asking them, well, this doesn't expire until you know December of next year. Uh, and they said they wanted to get uh, advance out in front of people uh, to make sure that uh, the exact scenario we're in right now with the program uh, not being re-upped, uh, not being extended. Uh, and, they, and they were they were working at it uh, even uh, late in, in mid late last year, trying to get lawmakers to, to address it. Budget. We're still digging into things in there. We don't know everything that's in there yet. It's a thousands plus page bill. So continue to follow the story and, and how the state budget, not these 500 other bills that you, you referenced up front, uh, Greg, will impact Illinoisans across the state. Um, let's move on, though. You've also been covering Illinois' gun ban that was enacted in January by Governor Pritzker. More than 170 semi-automatic uh, guns and rifles um, were banned in the legislation that was signed by Governor Pritzker. There's been ongoing court battles, both in federal court and in state court. You have another update this week. Yeah, so the latest with the uh, ongoing litigation against Illinois' gun and magazine ban is you've got the cases consolidated in the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Those are the cases from the Northern District and the Southern District of Illinois. And the state and local governments filed their briefs defending the state's gun ban on Monday. Plaintiffs are set to file their briefs uh, on the 19th and then the 23rd. Reply briefs are due. They're going to hear this case uh, on the 29th of June. Uh, so that's coming up here rapidly, an expedited briefing schedule. Uh, where it goes from there, it's unclear how long the Seventh Circuit could sit on the case and deliberate it internally before they put out a ruling. So that's ongoing in the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, you also have back to the Southern District. I talked with Attorney Thomas Mag. He was the guy who brought the first lawsuit against the state's gun and magazine ban in state court. That was transferred to federal court and lumped in with the three other cases from the Southern District where they got a preliminary injunction from federal judge Stephen McGlynn. And that held the state from being able to enforce the gun ban for six days before the state secured a reversal of that preliminary injunction from the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. But Mag, the attorney, he went back to McGlynn and uh, a few weeks ago, he requested that McGlynn issue a a limited order against the law, focusing only on one aspect of the challenge, and that would be that the law is, quote, unconstitutionally vague. Now, um, Mag says that uh, the the state lawmakers don't know what they're doing when it comes to understanding firearms, and they lumped in a whole bunch of firearms with the AR uh, platform 
And he says these firearms don't belong in that category. He says that that makes this unconstitutionally vague. And uh, ultimately, uh, the Southern District Federal Judge that already granted a, a preliminary injunction could issue a limited judgment against the law, which could strike the law down entirely. So an interesting uh, advance there from Thomas Mag going back to the Southern District to ask that uh, for that that limited uh, uh, judgment against the state law. And Mag says one thing to keep in mind is in front of the Seventh Circuit right now is merely just the question of the uh, preliminary injunction that was issued. It's not on the merits of the law. So some interesting legal maneuverings being done here in the state of Illinois when it comes to the ongoing litigation against uh, the gun and magazine ban. In this latest volley, the one that says it's unconstitutionally vague, if it were to be struck down on those grounds and those grounds only, lawmakers could just adjust the law and have it go forward. So in the current time frame, while that's important, you know, now these bigger constitutional questions, such as the whether it violates the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, those are the ones that will determine long term whether law stands or not. Is that correct? Yes. And and that's another point that Mag made was uh, his request back to the Southern District uh, deals with just this issue of it being constitutionally vague, not with whether or not it violates the Second Amendment. But Mag also uh, apparently has uh, uh, other uh, uh, other options in front of him because part of his initial lawsuit was uh, Second Amendment challenges. Fifth Amendment challenges saying that the gun registry violates your Fifth Amendment rights to uh, against self-incrimination and also 14th Amendment equal protection claims. These are all in the federal courts. Uh, and uh, he says those could come out later on when appropriate. Uh, so uh, a lot of different uh, options out there as this is ongoing. And this has nothing to do with the state level case, which you still have pending in the Illinois Supreme Court from the Macon County case brought by State Representative Dan Hawkins. And, and Dan, I'm not sure if we had this lined up to talk about, but an interesting issue when it comes to state level courts Governor J.B. Pritzker this week signed a law that uh, is effective immediately, blocking Illinois citizens from being able to take constitutional challenges of state laws to their local county court. So, for instance, if somebody in Effingham County wanted to sue the state in Effingham County about a law that uh, they say violates their constitutional rights, new state law does not allow that. Now they can only file their claim in Sangamon or in Cook County. Republicans say that this is reminiscent of the tyranny of King George III, that the American Revolution was fought over. Uh, and others are pointing out that those who are of lesser means, uh, that those who may be elderly, uh, they, they don't have the ability to pay a high-priced lawyer or travel for court cases, for court filings, uh, for hearings. Uh, they don't have the means to be able to travel to Sangamon and Cook counties to file these types of challenges. So that's a, another uh, element here in Illinois that um, has a, a pretty stark partisan divide. And what was the reason that Democratic lawmakers and Governor Pritzker gave for limiting citizens' rights as to where they could challenge state laws under constitutional grounds? The arguments ranged from we need to make sure that we don't dry up all of the attorney general's resources 
to have to go after uh, a lot of different claims across the state. Others pointed out that it was, uh, you know, the the challenges of the COVID-19 executive orders filed in various uh, jurisdictions, uh, alleging that people were court shopping or judge shopping or venue shopping. Uh, also pointing out that, uh, you know, the Safety Act was challenged in a uh, Kankakee County court. And uh, you had the, the gun ban challenge in Macon County court, uh, where they were able to secure in both of those cases temporary restraining orders against the law's enforcement. Uh, so interesting to, to hear the, the debate back and forth and uh, the, the clear divide amongst the Republicans and the Democratic supermajority of the state house. Interesting uh, stuff, Greg. Of course, if and when that challenge is filed, I'm sure you'll be on top of it. Listeners will be able to go to thecentersquare.com to follow Greg Bishops and his entire team's reporting. We are out of time this week, Greg. As usual, I appreciate your all of your insights on this very important subject matter. This has been Illinois in Focus. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. 